0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. The PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights in the promotional products business. I'm Bobby Lee I'm on the the mic here with my co-host Mark Graham, and we have a great guest with us today, who knows where this conversation is going, because if you know this guy, it can get pretty wild pretty quickly. But we're visiting... Hey, Roger! (laughs) Roger Burnett, National Director of Branded Merchandise for Workflow One, whom, if you've been under a rock or you don't know, is an awesome, huge company, 79 million in annual promotional product sales, and Roger, we're thrilled to have you, man.
1: Talk about not knowing where the conversation is going to go.
0: <laughs> well, today's topic uh, is sales. I mean, what what a great, and, and that is such a broad topic that we've been kicking around ways that we can have this conversation because uh, Mark and Roger and I have been having the sales conversation, sales and marketing conversation for a while. In fact, what prompted this podcast discussion is uh, an article I had, I had written, um, uh, content is the new cold call. Roger grabbed a hold of that. and Roger, why don't you comment a little bit on that? Why, why we visiting here today and what you think the new problem is
1: well i reached out and said i couldn't believe how you'd somehow found your way into my brain and captured the message that i'd been trying to figure out how to get out as succinctly as you did so kudos there big fella thanks man um you know we're a big company as you said you know 230 salespeople is a lot of people to be trying to reach on a day in and day out basis and Give people something that they can take to the street that could be compelling, and be something that uh, somebody on the other end of the phone line or on the other end of the internet string might be interested in hearing. And you know, the the notion of a cold call as an interruption is so perfect. And I. I reached out because I wanted to talk more about it. So I'm I'm glad we've got a chance to really uh, kind of kick that thing around.
0: Roger, are you? Uh, is this a common conversation in in your business? Um, the the death of the cold call. Are we? Are it, it, my, part of my argument has been that today's new rap, It's not as if cold calling is ineffective. It's become less effective. But if you've, uh, uh, you know, it still can be effective. But what we're talking about here today is a new type of sales rep that has a blend, nice blend of some old traditional sales approaches, but with a lot of new approaches because we're kind of talking about a hybrid. I think in one episode, Mark, uh, I can't remember who said it, but basically that we're all marketers now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, Roger, back to the question, are you, uh, is this a common conversation you guys are having about the effectiveness of cold calls?
1: Yeah. And it's more, I think there's lots of people these days that are scratching their heads a little bit about what's the quote silver bullet. And I think, you know, we all know there isn't truly a silver bullet, but from a a purely strategic and tactical perspective, you know, people are looking for how to take all of the great tools that the world has given us and weave them together in a way that, make sense for us as people who are responsible for moving a revenue line for our organizations. And, you know, lots of us have communities of people that are following us or people that we're interacting with online. But, you know, when you're interacting with other salespeople, the question invariably turns to, how do I take all of the things that are available to me? And the word you always hear is monetize it. And I think, you know, from even back to your article, Bobby, It's not something that's such a straight-line correlation between having a presence online and being able to equate that directly with revenue, and it's much more along the lines of being able to create that value proposition for yourself as a salesperson that allows the person who's ultimately making a choice to do business with you to make that determination independent of you. So that's really where I think the sales call has kind of gone by the wayside it's much more about giving the prospect the opportunity to have a really firm understanding of who you might be before they ever really even get you on the phone or in front of them.
2: Yeah. So, so Rod, or uh, sorry, I was going to jump in. So Roger with, with workflow, which is a, uh, a traditional, large, uh, very successful distributor. Um, Are there examples of where your salespeople have transitioned from the classic old-school sales call approach to this hybrid uh, model that that Bobby talks about in his post?
1: Yeah, I think we've got the good fortune to have the opportunity to bring our top promotional product salespeople to uh, Expo in Vegas every year. And if you were to get those people in a room and – have conversation with, conversations with them. Those are all guys who originally started out in print, but really? by hook or by crook have found them, themselves You know, as top producers in the promotional products end of our business. And they're leading the charge in that way, in much the same way that they're probably leading the charge in everything else that's going on. But what I, I think we're all interested in or uh, interested to see is – that the next section of the bell curve, the non-early adopter, the guy who's, girl, who's really trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to turn myself into what I need to be in order to survive and compete going forward? And that's the people that we're trying to reach, be it our sales force or really just, you know, anyone that I know out there in the marketplace. It's, it's the same thing that I'm searching for. What are the, the best ways that people are doing that? Right.
0: So, in effect really what we 're talking about here is instead of uh, switching our approach a little bit, um, our industry has a lot of traditional out out uh, bound approaches uh reaching out and we 're talking about a lot more inbound or at least a combination of both inbound and, and outbound i 'm going to run an interesting statistic by you guys um, I, I you know I posted on Facebook this weekend just to give. Um, Zezo a hard time in case he's listening here that LinkedIn uh, has been proven 277% more effective for lead generation than Facebook or Twitter now that doesn't surprise us here's the surprising statistic and I gotta give a shout out to Nathan Bailey who actually pointed me to both of these articles um, that in a recent industry poll from ASI 65% of the people that were polled in our in our industry said they don't use LinkedIn <laughs> Uh, why now? Hmm. So why do you laugh, Roger?
1: Well, cause okay, so the cynic in me says, well, we just solved the problem, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's uh that's an interesting correlation to draw. And, you know, you wonder if that has a lot to do with the social nature of our business yeah. that, you, you know, I joke all the time that we're one of the huggiest industries I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Well, I
2: recently...
0: go ahead, go ahead. go ahead.
1: I was just going to, that lends itself to our, par, our, our, Uh, People in the industry being more prone to the social nature of Facebook than necessarily the business aspect of LinkedIn.
0: And that's why I ask you. I kind of I cornered you. I wanted you to give that, and you would have a solid answer. I mean, it's it's very fascinating to me. It always it feels like that the pipeline for business development in our industry has never been really strong, and it's always been somewhat broken. And I've often wondered if that you've seen this time and time again. You're a rep. You go out. You're hungry. You go land some business. You finally get enough to business to where you're comfortable, and you completely shut down when it comes to business development. But you're too busy. What's astounding? What's astounding to me, and and uh, I mean we, we struggle with the same thing. It's not as if I've I've got any. Like Roger said, there's no silver bullets. What's astounding to me is that we've never had at our fingertips more information. If I wanted to find out who the director of marketing is at XYZ Corp down the street, it's right at my fingertips.
1: Yeah, but don't you think, Bobby? Here's the thing. I mean, I hear this from my salespeople, from my counterparts in the industry, from people that I hang out with socially. You know, there's precious few people out there that really have a a, what I'll call strategic understanding of the the combined value of all of those platforms tied together. And I think you know, sort of what we're talking about here is you know as as we're moving our sales force towards this more social medium it's really a- acting as a reporter right Un- understanding the needs of your client but also being able to tie that person that you're trying to engage to all of the various opportunities for information that you should be gathering as a potential uh, value provider to that person so that they're seeing you more as a resource and a place that they can come to for ideas and answers that you're gathering from the sum total of your surfing of all of the various places that you can get the information that would be pertinent. I mean, there's just not many people out there who've got a good finger on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mark, you were about to say something, I think.
1: Oh, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, I think what I'm intrigued with here is that. This is still such a relationship business, and I know, Bobby. You and I have chatted about this. while we've gone on about technology and about, and about whether uh, the the web uh, the, uh, uh, the the web merchants are going to eat our lunch in this business. And I'm trying to reconcile these two things: the, the, this this emergence of technology uh, putting the old school sales guy out of business. And I think there, I think that we could certainly take that angle. We could say, well, you know technology is going to come in it's going to and it's going to push everything to the web and that anyone who is not uh, this fantastic marketer salesperson is just going to be out of business. And there's no question that my background for those that know, I, I am all about that hybrid salesperson marketer. I mean, everyone who comes here, no one's an old school salesperson. They're all young, they're dynamic, they're all into social channels, um, and they're also salesy as well. But the This is not a Yellow Pages, cold calling kind of environment at all. Yet, what I'm intrigued by, and I'm puzzled by, is that I'm not so sure that the old school sales guy, the guy who still meets for coffee once a month at that local Starbucks or whatever the case may be in his local market and is developing that really strong relationship with the client, I'm not sure whether that guy will ever go away. And... So I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not uh, sure really what my point is here other than to say that I still think this is a business where that will ultimately reward that person who is going after the relationship cell, whether it's a social cell, whether it's a technology cell, or whether it's a Dana Zezzo meeting in the coffee shop once a month and doing it old school, um, What do you think?
0: Do you think, do you think I've heard, uh, I've heard uh, Jason Black mention this before that the, the relationship cell is dying? Um, Do you think, and I know what you're saying, there will always be room for that. I think one of the things we get in trouble with in this podcast, for example, is we tend to typify distributors and businesses like ours and we're all, we're all different. But, um, is the relationship cell under threat these days when at their fingertips they have so many more solutions that they can turn to? Um, or, or do you think do you think it's still alive and well and thriving?
2: I I um I think it's alive and well and thriving. And for for us, the way that we promote our relationships is is very much done through technology. So you could say, oh, look at Right Sleeve; they're totally tech forward. They're using social channels, and they're going to put the old school sales guy out of business. And and to some extent, well, I, I suppose we we would love that, but. At the end of the day, what we're really selling through our social channels is relationship. And we want the people at the end of the line to know that we are more than just a 99-cent coffee cup. That... What they're getting is they're developing a relationship with the company and the people behind Right Sleeve. And we do that through social channels because our target demographic is just way too damn busy to come out and meet us and have coffee. For sure. So, But at the end of the day, it's still all about that relationship. It is not to do – I mean, there's tons and tons of transaction sites out there. Right. So I think that that's really what I'm getting at, that the way we're uh, uh, building upon those relationships uh, is just – it's, it's done in a slightly different way than what the more classic, traditional distributor would do.
1: Right. So in reality, Mark, what you're doing by using your technology and social channels is you're giving that buyer the confidence that by the time they've come to you, they've already established that you're someone that they like and trust. Which exactly. Is in, in sales… We've said people buy from people that they know, like, and trust. So the only thing right. missing is the hybrid portion of the relationship, which is when you actually have the physical connection between you and that person, but you're letting all of that other work get done independent of your salespeople, which exactly in reality that if you if you want that opportunity, that's where your content generation and posting it out to those places really allows that person the opportunity to do that without any interference from you. And you're not manipulating the relationship and having that person feel like somehow you've, you know, you've created um something that's artificial and that they have to be worried that you weren't um being real yeah. by the time that they've gotten to you. And that's that's hats off. That's what we're all trying to accomplish. And we're in various stages of developing that. I would say, Bobby, that the the here's the thing, the old school guy brings the, the buyer a coffee cake because he knows that she likes coffee cake. But now instead I'm bringing you a white paper on lead generation as at a trade show, because I know in three months you're getting ready to have your trade show and I want you to have some better ideas about how to do it next time. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, it was so funny. So we, we were on a, uh, um, an industry group, um, thread, uh, I, uh, a couple of months ago, and there was a discussion going on around. Um, I think it was presentation tools, and it was interesting that a lot of us on the thread were going on about how we use our iPads and our iPhones, and we send these slick digital web presentations. And this one uh, gentleman who'd been in the industry for about 25 years, very successful, had responded, and and I, I think I'm getting his the quote correct. He said. If I went in with an iPad to show some of my country clients a presentation, quote unquote, I would get my ass kicked, okay. is what he said, right? <laughs> and I thought it was fun. And I think he said something to the effect you know, all of you city slickers going in with your iPad, well, that might be great if you're in Manhattan, but I'd get my ass kicked out here in the country. And I thought it was very interesting. And, and it was, I, I think it was, the, the implication here was, um, a lot of us, I think, get very uh, tripped up in technology tools and think that they are really the means to the end. But at the end of the day, for some distributors out there, it, it really is about the coffee cake. And it really is about making sure that, that that's consistent with how the client wants to be dealt with. Um, I know in our case, a coffee cake, I mean, hell, the, the client wouldn't even have time to eat the coffee cake. They want to read a blog post. They want to see us on Facebook. They want to see a tweet. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, it, it's all about still achieving that relationship on the client's terms. Yeah.
0: You you know another um, another challenge too um, is that the existing rep if you're doing any book of business probably above two hundred fifty thousand you got a couple of different things going on uh, let's say half a million um, you have reached a certain peak depending on the, the support that you get and you are uh, you want to develop more business maybe maybe you're pushing seven fifty but you're wanting to develop more business you find yourself saying I don't have the time I think what what's happened in the past decade. With the information overload, is that it has it has uh, completely uh, consumed our clients, so that we're going to have to rely on more inbound marketing because we've got to reach them, and then it has completely consumed us as salespeople too. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the flaky stuff. I'm not talking about the things like, you know, screwing around on Facebook to where you're not getting anything done. I'm talking about relevant, helpful information. But I think that's one thing that probably gets overlooked when you ask. Uh, is my mind as as the three of us are talking. I'm sitting there asking myself, what if I'm that $250,000, $500,000 rep, and I want to get to the next level, what would be your advice for those folks? And here's, I'm going to pass it on to you two to answer that question, but here's one of the things I would say. Given the information overload that we currently live in, the fact that now sometimes feels like it takes 10 emails just to get a conversation, a transaction done, or 20 or 30, um It could be that the business development that you do, you have to just simplify this down into a weekly manageable goal. Uh, You know, I I think before, if you were in 10, 20 years ago, you would have had, I'm going to make 100 calls a week. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I've seen more people paralyzed by their goals than actually liberated by their goals. And I think it needs to become something you can break down and do on a weekly basis, given the information overload. I, I, I call it bite-sized business development. The fact that you've, you know, stop paralyzing yourself with what you wish you're going to do when you have time, face it, you're probably not going to have time. Um, or, or, or you would have already made it important. I don't know. Am I way off base there?
1: No, you're not at all. As a matter of fact, that's exactly where I'm at organizationally right now is, you know, we've got, um, our demographic and our sales force tends to skew towards slightly older, and then our sales management you know kind of follows that same demographic and what what you and I as salespeople have always been taught is to you know plan your work and work your plan and I think where the disconnect is today is that sales management and salespeople by and large in this new information age haven 't been able to discern what our the appropriate activities to participate in that would follow a sales process that would ultimately lead towards you know, turning a suspect into a prospect. Right. And we've got to help design for them what some of those activities would be so that even from a sales management perspective, that from an inspection process perspective, that they can tap somebody on the head and say, hey, that hour that you spent on LinkedIn, What did that generate from you as it pertains to the steps in the sales process so that we can make sure that that was a worthwhile activity and there's just not much going on in the way of um, that kind of design so that people can understand what should be the actual activities that should be getting done, how much time should you devote to them, and then even more importantly, if you've done that amount of work in data mining, you have to have then Something from a structure perspective, so that you understand how to take what you 've been able to gather and turn it into something actionable that gets you where you need to go
0: yeah absolutely
1: bobby what uh, let's uh, let 's consider some specific
2: tactics and and your question was a good one about going from two hundred fifty to five hundred so what are some of the things that you guys have done? Some some specific tactical things that you have done to get either yourself from two hundred and fifty to five hundred back in the day when you were at that level, or from a management perspective when you've got that junior rep that is struggling to go from two hundred and fifty to five hundred. Like, what are what are some uh, some easy low hanging fruit things that you advise your people uh, uh, to to allow them to double their sales?
0: Well, this is going to sound very unsalesman like, but it's going to sound totally marketing like because I think this is the new world we live in. The two most sacred um, places, I think, in business right now where people are putting their attention is their email inbox and their back to the old fashioned direct mail inbox. So if you had to, if, if you forced me to say, hey, okay, Bobby, this week I want you to go try and land these counts. One, let's go try and get six, whatever it is. I would go back to some marketing strategy. Uh, I mean, we're in a very creative business. What I'm baffled by many times is um, it does seem like it's a minor, small percentage of people that actually uses that creativity and puts it to good use. Um, I, I, To answer your question, Mark, one tactic would be a creative marketing plan that would allow me to continue to massage that market and reach out to that market in a very creative way. But the tough part about your question these days is that we also have to engage in a lot of inbound marketing, like the articles we were talking about, like the videos, like um, you know the conversations we're having on the social networks, um, reaching out and listening. Um, is a big deal. But I would kind of go back to if you ask for one tactic, and I could only use one right now, I think it would be a very creative campaign with follow-up. Is that bore you guys to tears, or what do you think?
2: You mean follow-up on some of the... Some of the posts that you write, Bobby. No, or? no, no, no.
0: Sorry, let me let me back up. Uh, LinkedIn. We just we just realized. You know, right now, it's to me. I'm, you guys know I'm, I'm such a LinkedIn fanboy. I'm just baffled. I mean, but amazed by how much you can learn about a business and people on that. You can literally build a better, more targeted list. Because of the second and third tier connections you get on LinkedIn, and you can reach out to them via the social networks, you can provide good information, you can send the article like the content is the cold call. But in our world, we live in this wonderful promotional world where we can build a really cool creative campaign that I can also send directly to that contact. And I can do it again next month, and I can do it again next month. So I'm kind of, I guess, using both the power of LinkedIn, the power of having a network at my fingertips, and yet the power of the creative environment that we work and live in.
2: Right, right. Um, now, Roger, maybe maybe, maybe I could ask this of you. How about, so, so Bobby, you're, you're speaking about existing, or sorry, about brand new customers. Right. Roger, how about on your end, when you're dealing with an existing company that workflow has been dealing with, and 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 they're happy with your services, but you're stuck at fifty thousand in sales. Um, <laughs> market, are market. you are you using LinkedIn or, or, or what's the deal? Do
1: you, are did you bug my office?
2: <laughs> yes, I, I know everything. I bugged everything. I
1: mean, so. literally, you know, as we were talking to one another before we got started, we were discussing how busy we are. I mean, the the busyness that I'm at right now is dedicated almost exclusively to what you just asked me. It's right. trying it try, trying, to uh, cross-sell into our existing account relationships. And really, th- this is what we know. Uh, my relationship organizationally that's gotten me the business that I've gotten up until this point really won't yield me any more business. However, my relationship with that business allows me the opportunity to go ask for more business. But I've got to have that salesperson feel confident that when they make the trek from the office that they know to the office that they don't, that they've got something compelling that the person at the other office is going to be interested in hearing and giving them a very specific understanding of what that message should be and how it should be delivered and then what the follow-up campaign needs to look like so that we can begin what we call that in the engagement process with a new buyer and existing accounts is to have them understand. Because here's, you know, think about it. When we were back in in kindergarten, if you went to school with all of the same kids all the way through high school, no matter how um, how great you became in high school, a lot of the girls remembered you for being the snotty nosed kid in second grade, and you just couldn't ultimately escape that. And In a lot of instances, we've got clients who feel that we're just the label people and we've got to work very hard to overcome that pigeonhole that we've been given by the account. And the way to do that is through marketing. You have to absolutely have a campaign set up specific to that account to have them understand that we're much more than that and without that being uh, predetermined and really planned out to expect that a salesperson is going to make that leap of faith and walk down the hall is, is, you know, it just doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And, and you're obviously, if, if you're a new distributor or listening to this podcast, the number one way to grow your sales is obviously to grow your existing business. That's where you ought to focus first. What about you, yep. Mark? Uh, you both either new business or, or current clients
2: we uh, I, I obviously Bobby I completely agree with what you're saying uh, when it when it comes to this hybrid marketing approach one of the things that we have had a lot of success with is putting on uh, a, uh, end-user shows. I mean, this is just one example of, of something that's done very well for us. And we'll put these shows on. We call them product launches, where we really give prospects and existing clients an opportunity to see what we're all about, uh, see the new products that we're launching, to really understand our culture and our approach. We also throw it as, um, as, as, as a networking opportunity because we can get lots of like-minded clients in in uh, in the same room which does wonders for our business because then you've got people that know each other that are talking about our business and at the end of the day this um, gives our reps an enormous sales opportunity because it it uh, it it warms up that cold call for the prospects that say are at the event, and it also warms up the calls for uh, existing depart. Or sorry, for existing clients where we're trying to get into other departments. And I think for us, a big thing is all about how we can warm up that cold call and the the end user shows is uh, has been one very effective strategy for us but as to the extent that we can we will always 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 avoid the cold call like the yellow pages or just looking up someone on linkedin and just call them out of out of out of the blue we always are looking for ways that we can leverage our brand, our an existing client relationship, an introduction, an end user show, something that we've done online, a video that we've produced, because the cold calling is is is. I, maybe it's because I've got such bad memories of it when I was first starting out, right. fourteen years ago, right. and and fourteen years ago, all I had was the cold call, right. and. Yeah. Fortunately, we've been able to grow and now we've got thousands of clients, which is wonderful, but I don't want to make those cold calls anymore. I want to make warm calls. So it's everything to do with marketing, everything to do with uh, leveraging existing relationships, and everything to do with making sure that our salespeople are supported in the field so that they don't look like um I I at least they don't have the phone hung up on the uh, hung up on them after yeah. making cold calls so yeah. that's uh that's been my approach.
0: Well here here's here's amazing. Here here's when you know you've got a good topic. When we ran out of time you wouldn't believe it. it's already gone by Roger. do You have some some thoughts. We have to close in about 3 minutes but um this sounds like a part 2 coming on I think uh, because we barely scratched the surface I think.
1: That's fun. I'm glad to be doing let's do it some more. I would say, you know, we uh we always endeavor, right, to throw out there little tips and tricks for maybe some folks who might be newer to the industry coming out to the PK site, spending some time listening to us. If you're fortunate enough to have really created something fun that was really successful for a client of yours, that's called specialization. Mm-hmm. You have the opportunity to then take that success and find clients that look a lot like the one that you just had that success with. And you know the beauty of the world today is There's really no limitations to who you can call on in the world. So once you've gotten that success, figure out why it was successful and then try to go find as many people to replicate that success with as you possibly can.
0: That's brilliant advice. and We could spend a whole episode on just building successful cases. We used to call them case histories back in the days. Remember, guys? We could could really uh, do a good service, I think, to the PK community talking about how to develop a good story so that you can go sell more because I think we're talking about story selling, which is what you just said, Roger, uh, story selling. Mark? what f- some final thoughts from you
2: i'm going to and, and maybe this is an introduction to the next one that we do because uh, roger you have been you've been a kick-ass uh guest here my friend you we, we need you on this again absolutely but i was reading this article uh on linkedin bobby have you heard of linkedin before
0: uh, I, yeah it's a kind yeah. of blue okay. logo
1: right
2: uh yeah yeah, yeah. um and it was every week there's some digest that says like seven things you need to know on LinkedIn. And it was an article from Entrepreneur Magazine uh, from their website, entrepreneur.com. And it was talking about salespeople and uh, um, the difference between a connector and a networker. I thought that was interesting. And I'm just going to read this very short little sentence that, uh, uh, that talks about the idea of a connector. It says, traits such as energy, insatiable curiosity, and a willingness to take chances seem to be the common thread among connectors, as well as an insistence that connecting is not the same as networking. So let's consider this perhaps an introduction for the next podcast to really talk about the kinds of skills that were, or the, 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 uh, the, the personality traits that we're looking for in the best salespeople. And marketing aside it really comes down to connecting and how these people are able to weave um, commonalities throughout their networks so that they can bring business in the door. So I thought that was very interesting.
0: Great advice. Guys, uh, I really enjoyed it. You guys are both super sharp, and I am a lucky guy to hang out with you too. We didn't even give each other a hard time this whole podcast. We, I, I, I can't believe that.
2: We we're, were very, very serious.
0: <laughs> yeah, way too serious. Roger, man, good talking to you. That was awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll do it again. Mark? Hey, Mark, got it, Mark how, cold, how cold is it in Canada right now?
2: Oh, it's okay. uh, pff, negative 50 right now. <laughs> uh, and, that's the, and the wind chill, I mean, it's negative 80. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. All right, guys. Well, till next time. I got my toque on.
0: Oh, good. Good. I hope yeah. you got your toque on. Good. <laughs> All right. I tried. It's lame. I, I don't give you as good a hard time as you give me, so we'll try No, you. man, that was good. That was good. All
2: right. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Okay. All right. Bye.